0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We've been traveling through Mark since the beginning of the year, and we are now in chapter 11, and we begin with verse 1 and go through verse 11. If you'd like to catch up on any of the messages you've missed or maybe a couple recent ones, you can go to the website and you can catch up to all of those at your own convenience. Uh, and we will continue to go through Mark until we finish it, and, and the rest of Mark from chapter 11, verse 1, to the very end, has to deal with Jesus' very last week of ministry and life, his death, and his resurrection. And and so Mark spends 10 chapters really digging into the three years of ministry that, that Jesus had and then spends six chapters into this final week where we begin today. And again, that's Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1 through verse 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you to pull out that Pew Bible and follow along. You can find it on page 1007. If you're new to us, you don't have a Bible, you don't own one, that is our gift to you. We want you to take that Bible and take it home with you. We believe in the power of God's Word and its ability to change your life and the truth that's encapsulated in it, and we don't want you to leave here without it in your hand. So let us now turn and hear God's Holy Word here in Mark 11. And they went away and found a colt at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that had cut, been cut from the fields, and those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, it was already late. And he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. Oh, holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So the scripture we have before us, this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, is found in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have record of Jesus entering into Jerusalem at this Passover feast. It's the time of the Passover feast. Now, as Christians, we normally celebrate this triumphal entry, and we call it, Palm Sunday, and it's celebrated the Sunday before Easter. We have kids waving the palms, we sing songs of Hosanna, and traditionally we go through one of the four gospel accounts of what occurred on that day. And so it's a bit out of the norm for us as a church for this to be our main text in October, which is 82 days away from Christmas, right? You can now count officially because you're in October, so you can start the countdown. But here we are, and we're encountering this scripture, and, and so there's some things we need to know about what's going on, so then we can fully understand what, what the gospel writer Mark is getting across to us of what's occurring. So first, we need to understand Passover. So if you don't understand Passover, that's okay. Passover is a Jewish tradition in which they celebrated and, and had a festival in Jerusalem once a year to give thanks to God that his spirit passed over their households while they were in Egypt that led to their deliverance from Egypt and their deliverance from slavery and captivity, in which, remember, then they're chased by Pharaoh, they cross the Red Sea, and they wander in the wilderness. So they're celebrating this Passover that God would deliver them from captivity. And, And so every year they would have this festival. God ordained them to have this festival of Passover, and, and, and they would go and share a meal together. And, and they would make this trek to Jerusalem so they could go to the temple and, and learn from the high priest and, and the other priests while they were there, and and to gather from all the family. And so Jerusalem was a big city, but it was not the biggest city in the world. Rome was one of the most populated cities in the Roman Empire during that time. However, Josephus, an early historian, has told us and recorded that at the time of Passover, when Jesus would be going there, that Jerusalem would swell to a population of 2.5 million people, which made it larger than Rome during that time. And so this city suddenly swells to become one of the biggest cities in the known world at that time. Now, Israel wasn't a free country when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. They were not an independent country. They did have a king. We know King Herod. We've heard of King Herod, but King Herod, while being the king of the Jews, was really just a puppet. He had no real authority over anything, and he was so friendly with the Roman government that he was ineffectual within the Jewish community. And they just kept him there as king so it wouldn't cause any kind of uprising. Now, the way Rome governed was by governors in their various regions, much as Britain ruled the the colonies with governors before we gained our independence— and during this time, the governor over Israel is Pontius Pilate. Now, when they go and conquer Israel, Jerusalem's the capital. And Jerusalem, being the capital, was a 1,000 years old at the time. It was a dusty town located in those hills and the foothills there around Mount Sinai or Mount Zion. And right So it's, it's this dusty, foothilly area. And they don't want that as their capital. And so they go and build a place called Caesarea right? Named after Caesar. This is a place of Caesar. And so that's where they put their palace for that region. It's off in the northwest on the coast, a nice coastal beach community. I mean, can you imagine how nice that would be living in a coastal beach community? <laughs> I bet you can, right? And so that's right. So you understand why Caesar would go and build his capital in that region there versus in, in dusty foothills. And so, and so Pontius Pilate's located northwest from Jerusalem and would have to make the trek because 2.5 million people in his governing area converge on one city at one time to celebrate the Passover, the deliverance from Pharaoh, right? So they're celebrating God being the one who saves them from the people who oppress them. And so it was Pontius Pilate's job to bring a Roman army with him, get on his war horse, go through that west gate at the beginning of the week of Passover, and display his military might, sending the message, reminding the Israelites that what you are here celebrating, God's sovereignty, God's power, God's ability to deliver you from being in captivity, and you think God's in charge, I'm here to remind you, as I sit upon this war horse, that Rome is in charge, not God. And he would parade through the streets, all the way up to his fort, which was located right above the temple. So the temple sat in the shadows of the fort where Pontius Pilate would be located during this time. Now, on that same day, at that first of the week, we have Jesus leaving Jericho, coming from the east and entering into Jerusalem. So Jesus would go through the east gate. And, and as he's preparing his disciples, they're on this journey. There's a couple of villages on the way, Bethpage and Bethany, right outside Jerusalem on the way. And he sends two of his disciples to go get a colt, which is a foal of a donkey. So it's a donkey that, that Jesus is going to go get that's never been ridden. He tells his disciples where to find it. People are going to question you why you're taking this donkey. And here's what you tell them, and they'll let you go. And lo and behold, isn't that exactly what happened It's like Jesus knows a thing or two about what's about to go on because he and the Father ordained it before the foundation of the world. See, what happens this week with Jesus is no accident. It wasn't that God wasn't caught off Guard and by surprise. Rather, this was planned. Jesus foretold of his coming death and resurrection of everything that would occur this week. He had been telling his disciples and preparing them for this moment. And so when he tells them to go get the donkey, it's one more confirmation that Jesus knows exactly what's going on. Now, this, this donkey is a bit important, this cult, because Bartimaeus, as, as we heard last week, has confessed Jesus as the Messiah. I mean, he's leaving Jericho, and and there's people in Jericho. They're all headed to Jerusalem too. There's a great crowd, and and Bartimaeus is calling him the son of David. He's giving him a messianic title saying, you are the Messiah. Others have called him the Messiah in different ways, and Jesus himself has claimed that as a title, the son of God. And so it's important because Jesus also said that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And it's the prophet Zechariah, where it's recorded in chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. See, the reason we don't detach ourselves from the Old Testament and, and just stick into the New Testament is because everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Right. This book, this Bible isn't a story about us. It's a story about God and his goodness and his unfailing faithfulness to the love and mercy he has on you through Christ. And so that's why it's important that that we do these things. And so Jesus here, he's the Messiah. So he's coming in on this cult. So he enters. The East Gates. Pontius Pilate has his military parade, and they go through the West Gates. Jesus, on that same day, he's coming through the West Gates. He's coming on a donkey, and they put their cloaks on it. And the scripture tells us in Matthew and Luke and John that there were palm leaves waved that day and laid on the ground. And in Mark, it says they took off their cloaks and put them on the ground. And people are shouting, and they're singing Psalm 118, Hosanna, which means save us. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. They're singing. They're they're so excited that Jesus, the Messiah, is entering into Jerusalem. For they have this idea of what a coming king would look like. See, these cloaks that they were wearing and putting on the ground weren't just coats like we would think or, or overcoats over their dresses those days in the way they dressed. They were prayer shawls made with intention. They had four tassels on them to remind them of the commandments of God. And on the collar in Hebrew letters, it said, Lord of Lords and King of Kings to remind them of the coming Messiah. And so by laying their cloaks down on the road for Jesus and his donkey to walk over was not only a sign of respect and excitement that they thought Jesus was something special, but it was telling that they were claiming him to be the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who would restore them who would restore Israel as King David ruled over Israel, so too would the Messiah, Jesus. And then the palm branches that they waved. They didn't just pluck them and it just happened to be happenstance that they were waving palm branches for Jesus. No, the palm branches in Israel had long been a symbol of Judean nationalism. It It was like their flag that they would wave ever since the Maccabean revolt against the Greeks. So the Greeks at one time conquered Israel and the Jewish people revolted and it was the Maccabees who led this revolt. And afterwards they waved the palm branches as, as celebration. And so it kind of became this symbol in this way of saying that that Judea is great, that this is our country and we are proud of it. And so they would wave them. And, and, and it then the Jewish people fractioned off, and there were Sadducees and Pharisees, and, and the Zealots fractioned off from them too. And the, and the Zealots were located in Galilee mainly. And, and, and the Zealots were different in that they wanted to destroy every pagan. And so, and so they're waving their palm branches. The Messiah has come, the new King David is here, and he's going to rid this place of Rome and all of its paganness. That is infected Israel. And so they're shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So here we have on this triumphal entry, on this day, this first day of the week leading to the Passover celebration, we have Pilate on his war horse with his Roman soldiers parading through the streets to their fort displaying their military might and then in the east gate we have Jesus on a donkey with his disciples and a great crowd that's followed him from Jericho and is going through the streets and the zealots crying Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest and it's being celebrated not for its military might but for what they believe, is the beginning of a revolution against Israel's oppressors. Two parades. Two parades that day. Yet it was Jesus' parade that was misunderstood. See, he didn't come to wage war against Rome. He didn't come to make Israel great again. Jesus came as the Messiah to save his people, to release them from captivity. But the problem was Israel only understood their captivity as an earthly captivity. And that's not what Jesus came to release them from. They they never realized that they were captive to sin and to death that they were unreconciled to the Father. So Jesus didn't come as a revolutionary warrior king to reclaim Israel, but Jesus came to save people from their sins. Jesus didn't come for political purposes. Jesus came to save you and your soul to the Father. This was his purpose. And this is why Jesus' question to Bartimaeus at at the gates of Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, and the question that we get asked in that same moment is so important. That question of, what do you want Jesus to do for you? It's an important question that we must ask because the people of Israel really wanted Jesus to fight off the Romans and to kill the pagans. And it was clear that this week in scripture, when it's clear that Jesus wasn't going to do that, they turned on him and no longer had any use for him. That same crowd that's shouting Hosanna, a few days later, shouts crucify him. Crucify you. And it leaves us with a question about our own expectations about Jesus. Do we use him as a tool for our own personal gain? Or is he the shepherd of our souls? Amen.